Now, I'm not going to preach on this, but I want you to turn to Isaiah 28. 28th chapter of Isaiah. I don't want to drag us down into depression. But if you remember Isaiah, he prophesied before and during and after the time of the captivity of the northern kingdom. But he was prophesying mostly to the southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom went into captivity. Samaria was taken in 722 B.C. So Isaiah's prophetic ministry, just for rounding off sake, around 700, but a little about 735 on down. So he knew what was happening in the north, but he's prophesying to the, to the southern kingdom. And they did last until 586, thereabouts. Uh, and then they also were taken into captivity. But this is what's going on in the northern kingdom. Now, I don't know about these dates. These dates can be, they're subjective. You know, don't know exactly. <clears throat> but we don't have a problem with, with dates like the evolutionists do. They... They could be off a half a billion years, 500 million years, and that's okay. If we miss it by one or two years, we're fanatics. Uh, but anyway, just Isaiah says, Woe to the crown of pride. To the drunkards of Ephraim. Now Ephraim is another name for the northern kingdom. Some of you have been studying this. The northern kingdom is called after the split up, after Solomon, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. You've got the northern and the southern kingdoms. The northern kingdom is known as Ephraim, Israel. The northern ten tribes. Uh, and the southern kingdom is known as Judah or the southern kingdom. And you have to make that distinction from this point on. From the time of Solomon, after Solomon, from that time on. You always have to make sure when you're reading that if it says Israel, it's talking about the northern kingdom. If it says Judah, it's talking about the southern kingdom. And the other name is Ephraim. Well, the tribe of Ephraim. We were just talking about the woods of Ephraim, didn't we? Well, that's in the northern kingdom. So woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim. These are, this is God's nation. Whose glorious beauty is as a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat battles of them that are overcome with wine. They're a bunch of sots, drunks. Do you think this could be addressed to the United States in any, any parts of it? <laughs> You're absolutely right. He said, Behold, the Lord hath the mighty and strong one, which has a tempest of hail and a destroying storm as a flood of mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. He's pronouncing the judgment of God on a bunch of drunkards. And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley She'll be a fading flower, and as a hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. Well, you remember Amos had that vision, the basket of summer fruit. 
Well, it, when fruit is just picked and it's ripe, ready to eat, beautiful. But, but it doesn't take any time, but it turns rotten. And you can't wait to throw it out. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. Not all of them. A residue is like a remnant. And for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. I think he's presenting the whole northern kingdom. Being like a like a, a bar. Have you ever been in a bar after they've had a night a night of drunkenness? Stinking place. I mean really stinking place. They get drunk, they puke, they go get more to drink. And that's the way, and then they get a, and then they laugh about it. They laugh and make jokes. Dave, uh, Dave uh, he, he knows, on the fire department, and the, when I was board ship in the Navy, guys come in, oh, I can't remember nothing I did. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Fools make a market sin. When I, we've not only got the alcohol, we've got the drugs. But here's what disturbs me, is that we now accept drugs as normal. And we accept alcohol as normal. It's not normal to drink something and get yourself out of your mind. That's not normal. That's not something always just people do. And this whole country's turned to it. And they're supposed to be God's people. Uh, now, there's how many of these passages can you go to in the Old Testament? Oh, well, that's the Old Testament. That's not new. Let me tell you what. This is going on right now. Right in our, in, in our country. All right. I just, I, I think we ought to have heads up for stuff like that. And our, our big problem is the computer and the television. Now, I had to admit the other day to my wife that when I had to make some copies, I saw some good in a computer. Because I could go to my computer and make copies Whereas before with my typewriter and mimeograph machine, it taken a lot more time. And it wouldn't have been done nearly as fast. Uh, so I can see some good in it. But I don't believe that when you're driving along and you see somebody, I don't think they're doing their homework. And you see kids down there, I don't think they're doing their homework and trying to read extra reading and do get their grades caught up and all that. How many believe that's what they're all doing? You know good and well they're not. And then all of these commercials, they're all drinking. And it's okay. Or else, they're LGBT commercials. And you got two black men or two white men or two black women or two white women kissing on the lips. God says that's abomination. 
But see, all this goes together. You know what happens when people get to drinking. Let me tell you what. This ain't new stuff. When Lot and his two daughters, of course his wife came with them. She just didn't make it very far. Because she showed where her heart was back in Sodom. And God turned her to a pillar of salt. And I believe that absolutely, literally. So when Lot and his two daughters got, got up in that cave, Lot had said that he had two daughters that had not known men. He thought those virgins. I don't think they were. Remember when those homosexuals wanted to take the angels out of Lot's house and rape them? He offered to give him give them his two daughters that had not known men. Well, that's just what he thought. This is my opinion. I think they proved that they knew what was up. Because when they got up in that cave, they got their daddy drunk. Because they knew that's how to get him in bed. So guys do that to girls. Yeah, girls do that to guys. That's what went on there. And the outcome of that, Israel's still suffering from it. The Moabites and the Ammonites. Anyway, those two girls knew how to seduce somebody. You do it with alcohol. Because when they get the brains messed up with alcohol, they don't have any inhibitions. It's not that they become evil. It's just that all of that restraint they've had, that alcohol releases that. Then they do what they probably want to do anyway. But that's, that's what kind of wickedness develops. Anyway, I thought that Isaiah 28 would be worth reading. Anyway, look at Romans, the 10th chapter. Completely different subject. It's been a while since I've been here. Paul says to the church at Rome, which is not the Roman Catholic Church. Don't let anybody tell you that it is. There was a church in Rome, Italy, while the Apostle Paul is alive. So that's first century. That church had nothing to do with the Roman Catholic Church until much later. And then because they went into heresy, that's when they became, they, that's when they became a part of it. <clears throat> but at this time, it had nothing to do with the Catholic Church. So he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, now we're in New Testament times now. Israel means Israel now. Back in Old Testament times, after Solomon's time, Israel meant the northern kingdom. Well, we don't have that situation now. Things have changed. Now Israel is Israel. That they might be saved. Well, (coughs) I've heard numerous uh, talk show hosts try to put believing preachers on the spot. Well, they said that you said that if Jews don't Believe in Christ, they'll die and go to hell. Did you say that? Well, I probably didn't say it exactly like that, but basically, yeah, I did. What does Paul say about the whole nation of Israel? He's a Jew that God has saved. He said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is... That they might be saved. Paul's telling us they're not saved because they're Jews. They're Jews and they're just as lost as a goose. Isn't that a pretty important point? So any preacher that says, 
Jews will not go to heaven because they're Jews. They're just relating what the Apostle Paul has stated under the inspiration of God. Israel needs to be saved because they're lost. Everybody is lost, needs to be saved. They won't be. They won't be. Everybody that's not in Jesus Christ needs to be saved. But they won't be. Who of them will be saved? All those whom he has chosen from the foundation of the world. And then he says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Because God will make them willing and they'll come willingly. But anyway, but Paul says, as, as a Jew, and he loves his nation, he is an ethnic Jew out of the tribe of Benjamin. But he says, I bear them record, that is the nation of Israel, that they have a zeal of God. A zeal is a, they have a concern about God. That is not according to knowledge. For they, that is Israel, being ignorant of God's righteousness. Now what does that say? Israel, who has had, well, since the beginning, Abraham, 2,000 years before this, Paul says in Romans 3, he said they had every advantage. They had the doctrine, the covenants, the ordinances, and the oracles of God, the word of God. The Jewish nation had all of that. You see it demonstrated in the tabernacle. They had all of that. And every one of those offerings in the tabernacle picked, it was about Jesus Christ. It was about the coming Messiah. How many prophets were there? Both writing prophets and non-writing prophets. For example, Elijah and Elisha. How many of the prophets did they have? About all of them. Up until this time. God sent those prophets to Israel. And they warned Israel of the judgment of God, the coming judgment of God. But they also declared to, to Israel the Savior, the Messiah, bringing salvation. They've had it all. But he says that they're ignorant of God's righteousness. So what have they done with all of that information? What is this generation? I'm talking about youngsters that are able to know anything. All the way up to old men and women. And I have a right to call them old because I'm old. Religious people. We have more information on the Word of God. We have more accessibility to the Word of God. To the preaching of the Gospel, to the preaching of the whole counsel of God. We have more access to it than anybody has ever had in the history of the world. You can get on that internet. You can get on our, what we're on, that uh, uh, sermon, audio, you know, the sermon service. Have you ever been on there and scrolled down? Now see, how many? I could point out just the ones I know. 
And I know they're preaching the truth. You can get on that uh, monergism. That's just name them. M-O-N-E-R-G-I-S-M. Monergism. Mono is one. That's only one way. That's it. And they've got wonderful messages on there from uh, all of the great guys that preach the whole council, preach the grace of God. You could spend, if you could stand it, you could spend 24 hours a day and never listen to the same sermon twice for the rest of your life. That's how much that's how much information, that's how much truth is available. And you know what I don't see? I don't see any move at all towards the truth. Every now and then you get bits and pieces. Somebody ordered Brown's books or I hear about them from somewhere else. I don't know. I remember the other day, you remember somebody, y'all remember somebody in Texas. He's a retired preacher and he's going to these uh, RV camps and having services there and he wanted permission to take Brown's books and, and use those for lessons in those. I said, absolutely. Let us know when you need something else. I haven't heard from him for a long time. I have no idea what's going on. But you get get word like that every now and then. Get word from other countries where people, from missionaries going, and you got natives that are standing for the truth. Brazil and Peru and Philippines and other places. Uh, but not much. Just every now and then. So my point is, We've got more availability, accessibility to the whole counsel of the Word of God, let alone you can get on there and you can get the Word of God in, I don't know, 116 or 60 different languages where the Bible's been translated into those other languages. Just click on it. You get them all. Get, you got the whole thing on, on that sword search. Click on it. You go right down in any language you want. You can get the Bible. We've got the information. Israel had the information for their day. Like no other people did. But look what they've done with it. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. And now they're going about to establish their own righteousness. Now there's the nature of man taking over. There's the sinful nature ruling out there. Well, we're going, I'm going to, I don't know about all that. I know what I do. It's all about me. That's what. Going about to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted themselves Unto the righteousness of God. Well to submit yourself to the righteousness of God. Requires you. Confessing. I am a sinner. There's nothing in me. That is worthy of anything. I'm completely. The word is. Devoid or empty of righteousness before God. I have no righteousness. But I must have perfect righteousness. So I must have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. He has earned righteousness. And then I must have his redemption. If I don't have that, I'm lost. For eternity. I'm lost. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Well, these Israelites, these Jews have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And I don't think very many in our generation have submitted themselves to the righteousness of God because if you've submitted yourself to the righteousness of God, you'll quit making excuses for yourself. I'm not bad as somebody else is. 
All that is make an excuse for yourself. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. When you do that, you're ignorant of God's righteousness. Just as they were. And they had all the advantage. We've got all the advantage. Now, verse 4. For Christ. Now you see, that's the Christos in the Greek. Same thing as Messiah. That's the anointed one of God. Christ is the end of the law. <laughs> now some of these guys say, well, we just throw the Ten Commandments away because Christ is the end of the law. No, you went the wrong way there. <laughs> you, went plum- you went plumb off into to eternity there. The wrong way. Christ is the end of the law. He came not to destroy it, but to fulfill it. And what he did, he submitted himself to the law of God. And he earned perfect righteousness as the man Christ Jesus. He didn't earn perfect righteousness as God. God doesn't earn righteousness. God is righteous. Jesus Christ had to become a man. He had to become truly man. He didn't seem to be. There was a bunch of people back when, they're still around, but they were called docetics. Anybody heard of them? That comes from the Greek word docete, docetol. Seem to be. They were seen to beers. Jesus Christ wasn't really a man. He just seemed to be. Oh, I've heard independent Baptist preachers saying the same things. Maybe a few little different words, but saying the same thing. For example, Jesus Christ was not a man like we are. Well, that's heresy. And I stood up and I said it was heresy. I was sitting in the, in the congregation. Oh, I did. That's heresy. These guys already amen. Did you idiots? You just amen anything, don't you? If Jesus Christ was not, was not a man like we are, we have no righteousness. Let alone redemption. But we need both of them. Redemption pays for our sin debt. Righteousness adds to us perfect righteousness by which we enter heaven. And without it, we don't. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. You couldn't keep the law. No Jew ever kept it, and no Gentile ever kept it, whether he knew it or not. Not a one of us have ever kept the law. As I always say, if you can't get past number one, ain't no sense going to number two. And there's not a one of us can get past the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. You don't have to look very far to see somebody that's got something or somebody before God. I don't want to get on anybody's business, but you know, uh, we have a... There's a Lord's Day every week. Do you know that? Did you, were y'all aware of that? There's a Lord's Day every week. And every one of them belong to the Lord. And you say, well, I got something else more important. Really? Really? I'd be careful about that. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Anyway, if you can't get past number one, ain't no sense going to number two. For Christ is the end of the law 
for righteousness to every one that believeth. How do you get that perfect righteousness? Repentance and faith. To everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. That the man which doeth those things shall live by them. You can look back at Leviticus and see that. The righteousness which is of the law. Oh, what does that mean? Well, that means if you're going to get righteous by the law, you got to keep it all, all time. What is a that uh, the man which doeth those things shall live by him. You can't start it and quit it. It ain't like a diet. You can go on this diet this month and go on another one next month. If you're going to live by the law to make to, to get to heaven, you got to start it from when you're born. And you can't ever let, let up. So well, how can I do that? You can't. Then how do I get perfect righteousness? Oh, I know one that did that. His name's Jesus Christ. That's why at 12 years old, they couldn't believe. He was in the temple teaching the teachers. They couldn't believe the authority by which he is keeping the law of God. He did not sin. That's the, that's the term to use. He did no sin. Not that he could not sin. He did no sin. Anyway, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. What are you doing going there? Saying in your heart, I'm going to go to heaven and get Christ down? You don't do that. That's not within your power. He's already come down. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Christ's already come out of the the grave. He's already resurrected up from the dead. All but but what saith he? The word is nigh or near thee. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's not about you going about establishing your own righteousness. No! It's not about you earning, doing anything. It's not about that at all. It's all about Christ and what he has done. And from your part of it, here it is. He says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Here we go. Repentance and faith. For or because with the heart Man believeth unto righteousness. Now you're not talking about your pump. You're not talking about the thing you have a heart attack with. He's talking about the very essence of you. With the heart of man, he believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. We come under the Greek Gentiles. Now this is Paul who is an ethnic Jew. He says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, Jew and Greek. 
There's no difference. He's already said my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That is absolutely stating that Israel is lost. But there's no difference between Jew and Greek or Jew and Gentile. And that means us in our natural state. We're just like them. We just didn't have the advantages they've got. But we, we came to the same place. Lost and on our way to hell. And deserve to go. And have, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. <clears throat> For verse 13. Well it's 12. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Jew and Greek alike. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now you hear people calling on the name of the Lord all the time. They say, my God. That ain't the kind of calling that he's saying here. Using God's name for a swear word or a slang word is not calling on the name of the Lord. That is doing exactly what the commandment says. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's breaking, breaking the commandments right there. Anyway, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this by context. Whosoever shall call upon him in repentance and faith shall be saved. And then he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? See, that eliminates that just calling. How shall they call on him? In whom they've not believed. They've not believed in Christ. Whatever they say. They haven't called on the name of the Lord. You've got to believe on him. And then the call. And how shall they believe in him. Of whom they've not heard. Now there's not anybody really in this world. Day and age. That has any excuse to say they've never heard. The gospel and never heard Jesus Christ. Because they have. They just don't hear him. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And we've got plenty, many preachers. Now there's a lot of preachers that don't preach the gospel. They preach the same stuff that Israel was comforting itself in. Establishing their own righteousness. Their righteousness. There are many preachers that preach that. That's what you got to do. Establish your own righteousness. But they're not preaching the truth. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now the gospel of peace is no different than the gospel of grace. Than the gospel of God. Amen. There's only one gospel. It is the gospel of peace. Because when you receive it. You believe the gospel. It is the gospel of peace. Because it brings peace. Over top of your enmity against God. It sets you at peace with God. So. Back up in verse. Nine. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We have a couple of things here. Believe with the heart and confess with the mouth. Well, to confess is to admit, to assent. Can you be a secret disciple if you don't confess? 
You're not a disciple at all. I believe it is absolutely necessary to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the Savior. He's my Savior. He died for my sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. Would you be ashamed to say that anywhere in this world? If you are, you've got big problems. What did he say down here? Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do you know how many people have been brutally murdered because they said that? You can read The Trail of Blood. You can read other Fox's Book of Martyrs and many others. Many, many hundreds of thousands of men, women, boys, and girls have been brutally slaughtered because they confessed the Lord Jesus. Now that word confess, homo logos. Homo is the same. Nothing akin to it. Homo and hetero. Hetero is opposite. Homo is the same. Now that can be applied, you know, a lot of ways. But here it's the same. Logos, the same word. Do you know that everybody that's ever confessed the Lord Jesus Christ has said the same thing? If they haven't, they haven't confessed it. You see, Saul of Tarsus, who wrote this, Apostle Paul, on the road to Damascus. The first thing that came out of his mouth after the Lord struck him down on the road to Damascus, the first word out of his mouth, Lord! <laughs> uh, the first word out of the mouth of the thief on the cross. Lord. We're talking same word here. So it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you are. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter your bank account. Doesn't matter anything like that at all. With the mouth. Confession is made. And that's the same word. So, think about your own past. With your mouth, the confession is made. Uh, Peter, the Samaritan woman, Martha, the Ethiopian eunuch. Look at Acts 8 real quick. There when Philip came to the Ethiopian eunuch, verse 37, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. That's exactly what Paul said. For with the heart man believeth unto salvation. And he answered and said, Now here comes his confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that's the same word. I believe we can say safely that that's the same word. Uh, the Apostle Peter did the same thing. The Samaritan woman at the same, did the same thing. She said, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Is not this the Messiah? That's the same thing. Faith precedes your confession. For with the heart man believeth. And with the mouth, confession is made. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Faith precedes confession. You can't confess and then believe. 
Faith precedes confession. We look at the object of faith. Who is the object of our saving faith? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the object. He is the object of our saving faith. And he is the one that we confess with our mouths. We confess the same thing stated by everybody else that's ever, ever been a saved person, been saved. So our confession begins with our mouth. But then our whole life confesses Amen. the Lord. Amen. It starts right, well it starts here in the heart, but it comes out here. That's why I determined a long time ago that by us keeping women silent, we denied them the right to confess the Lord. And I said, all my life I've never heard a woman confess the Lord. That ain't going to happen again. Any woman that's saved before this church, come before this church, they're going to confess the Lord just like, just like we do. That, and that thing about keeping silence is not absolute silence. If it was, we couldn't let you sing. So nobody practices that. They say they do, but they don't. They just, they just keeping women back. But I believe that this, this does not state that men confess the Lord. Women don't. It didn't say that, did it? Not at all. But that's the way most Baptists act. Or independent Baptists act. But it's not, it's not right. Anyway. Not only do we confess with the mouth. Then we submit ourselves to scriptural baptism. You notice I didn't say believer's baptism. Because I believe that is a catch-all term. That enables many churches to receive alien immersion. False baptism. Scriptural baptism is baptism that follows the pattern of the New Testament teaching. The proper person, the proper method, mode, the proper design, the reason, and the proper authority. And if you don't have those four points in your baptism, it's not scriptural. It's not the kind of baptism. But now, if you have scriptural baptism... Uh, that is also a confession because you're showing forth a picture of the death of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, his burial and his resurrection and your participation in that. And that's what saved you, but that is part of your outward confession. On the day of Pentecost, all... all Scriptural baptism continues on with your confession. The Lord's Supper continues on with your confession. Look at 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you all do show the Lord's death till he come. There's continued confession of the Lord. It's the Lord's death until he comes. So, we see baptism, a continual confession, the Lord's Supper. He said, as often as you do this. Now, keep this in mind if you remember the Lord's church. How often do you do this? Or do you leave every time and not stay for it? You need to do this. Does it bother you to miss? And in our public worship, coming to church. Now folks, you know the word church means assembly. You cannot have a church unless you have an assembly. It requires God's people to assemble. We're glad to have visitors. But an assembly 
must assemble. And we have many today, this daggone uh, virus or whatever it was, and there, people, many have never even come back to church over this. God's word has not changed. He said, he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. So you must have assembly. And when you assemble with the Lord's church, you're assembling in confession of who the Lord is. He even says when you pay your tithes, you're given, you're given a testimony that the Lord lives. Amen. That he resurrected. Early on, come to, come to the house of God or come to the assembly, which might have been in a wood someplace, in a forest. But where God's people were, where the assembly was, it could have meant your very life. There may be a time now, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they're pushing forward as bad as they can to put us out of business. They would love to shut the doors. I'm not going to let them as long as I'm alive. Now, they could shoot me, get rid of me that way. But I'm not going to shut these doors for anybody or anything. If the juice is turned off, we'll do it by candlelight. But we're not shutting down for anybody. Joe Biden, can you hear that? Bashir, can you hear that? You say, well, they'll do bad things to you. What do you think they did to our brethren and sisters? Over 50 million of them have been brutalized, heads cut off, skinned alive. Drowned, burned alive. And so what would they say? And? <laughs> so what are you saying? <laughs> we're, going, we're going to the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of God. That's what David said. So now there's not much risk. A uh, little bit. But if you declare Christ in your services they're trying to stop that they're calling it hate speech it may mean a whole lot more later on if now wait a minute if, if they told you last night anybody that assembles in a church that preaches the whole counsel of God is going to be put in jail. How many would we have? Think about it. I began preaching that and I first came out here. I said there's going to come a time. When it's going to be worth your life. To name the name of Christ. And I still haven't changed that. And we're closer to it now than we've ever been. Well. Public worship. In close association with the Lord's people. Now I'll be the first to admit. We're not all beautiful people. There's one scripture there that says how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. And I just have to say that's symbolic. I got one foot that'll win that'll win the ugly contest any time of day. But do you love the Lord? If you love the Lord, you love his people. And you love to fellowship, you love to associate with him, you love his people. Some people may have opposition in their families. I've heard of that. I've had some even in my family. Well, if my family goes against me, I'm not going to confess the Lord. <laughs> Wait a minute. Whosoever believeth on, on the Lord shall not be ashamed. 
with your family Amen. or with others. Amen. Well, my family comes and I have to pay attention to them. No, my family comes. They know I have to pay attention to the Lord. You may come with me. You'd be glad to have you come with me. But no, 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 no. No, this is the Lord's day. So, will you confess in opposition to your family and deny him not? Old Joseph, boy, they sure put him through it. Potiphar's wife did. I ought to read that every now and then. That young man stood, buddy. She knew who Isis was, them heathen gods. But she didn't know who Yahweh was. But she learned. How'd she learn? Because Joseph's actions confessed the Lord. Uh, what if it meant you'd suffer loss? Would you still confess him? Look at Acts 4 real quick. Verse 16. Well, I got to back up verse 13. I'm sorry. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. This is after the day of Pentecost. And received, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them. They could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them narrowly. Let us, let us put, let's put the quietus on them. Uh, Verse 17, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Can't speak in the name of Christ. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Do you think we don't have those amongst the people today that would be glad to to enforce that on us. But Peter and John answered. And said unto them. Whether it be right in the sight of God. To hearken unto you more than unto God. Y'all judge that. For we cannot but speak. The things which we have seen. And heard. So when they had further threatened them. They let them go finding nothing. How they might punish them. Because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which is done. They are trying to stop them from, from confessing the Lord Jesus Christ. But it didn't work. Because they wouldn't let it be. <laughs> they wouldn't let it work. Now, would you suffer loss? Here's what I'm going to conclude with. For a believer... There is no valid excuse not to confess the Lord. So will I lose business? Lose it and gain. Well, it's not fashionable. Be unfashionable. I'll be despised. And he'll love you eternally. The result... Of refusing to deny him. He said he that confesseth me before men. Him will I confess before my father which is in heaven. We come to him for our own sake. 
We love and cleave to him for his sake. Let's all stand.